So we're currently in a sermon series on uh, the Beatitudes in the book of Matthews. So uh, Beatitude from Latin is a declaration of blessedness. And this is also found in the Old Testament Psalms where a lot of would say, blessed is the man who does this or blessed is the man who does that. So last week, Dave, the guy that I uh, made fun of, I apologize, talked on meekness. Meek in the Greek is the word praus or power under control, God's control. So meekness is not cowardice, emotional flabbiness, whatever that is, lack of conviction, complacency, timidity, or the willingness to have peace at any cost. And a good example was Moses. In the Old Testament, it said that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth, but he had God's power. So, so the word blessed. The word blessed, as we've said before, does not just necessarily mean happy, what it means is truly well off are those for everything whom it is good. So let's go ahead and read the, uh, the portion of the scripture. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, and this is Matthew 5, 1 through 12, he went up on a mountainside, sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So today we're going to talk about what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I think what we've got to start off by is, is talking about what does it mean to hunger and thirst? I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. Ever since I was a little kid, all I had to do was walk over to the refrigerator, open it, grab whatever I wanted, go over to the tap, grab whatever I wanted. It was there. But in these times, it was not always the case. When people got money for their work, they had barely enough to subsist. And also, there was no faucet. So what you would have to do is you would actually have to go somewhere to get water. It's kind of like some places in Africa today. Some women will actually walk miles, maybe once or twice a day to go get water and bring it back. So when we're talking about hungering and thirsting, Jesus is not saying, oh, I skipped lunch. I'm dying here. What he's talking about are people that are hungering and thirsting because they have very little. They are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So we got to talk about what is righteousness. For most of us, righteousness is not a word that we hear anymore. I mean, it's not like going, oh, okay, that was really righteous. We, it's not part of our culture, so we really need to define it. So, the Greek word is daikaiosune. It's the character or quality of being right or just. It was formerly spelled right-wiseness. It's doing the right thing. So, in essence, a righteous man was a man that was right and just and conformed himself to the revealed will of God, godly character. So the people here probably knew what he was talking about. The people wanted to be righteous. They wanted to live good lives. But the problem was they couldn't get past the religious system. So salvation for the first century Jewish person was typically only for the Jewish nation. Men's club, only for the holy and pure, the keeper of the Ten Commandments. Only for the healthy. Sick people need not apply. Sickness was God's curse. And if you're poor, forget it. Only the financially well-to-do would get in. Because obviously, if you were poor, God didn't really care about you. So, 
This probably meant that if you were sick, you were cursed and not righteous. If you were poor, you were poor because of your sins, not righteous. If you did not keep every single part of the law, especially all the stuff that the Pharisees and the religious leaders added, you were not righteous. And if you were not righteous, the religious leaders did not want anything to do with you. You were a sinner, pretty much without hope, and the religious leaders avoided sinners. If you remember, one of the big complaints they had about Jesus was Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. What was he thinking? So, who were the righteous? In the culture, the righteous were probably most people considered the religious leader. The Pharisee, the priest, and the Levite, these guys were supposed to be close to God. So imagine, if you will, being in the system. Let's assume that we're back there, and we're in the religious system, and I'm the religious leader, Bob. And so what I'm doing is I'm walking among the people, and I walk, and I go, Steve, good morning, God bless you. Oh, woman, not in the club. Oh, leper section, not in the club. Oop, sinner section, not in the club. Pittsburgh Steelers section, in the club. Oh, I do. I love the booze. I just do. But who's in the club? Guys like me. The righteous. Ooh. You know, Lord, I just thank you that I'm me and that they're not me. And I love me because I'm so righteous and I have your special blessing. Really? So, listen to this. So Jesus comes on the scene. and Let me read this scripture. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or tittle, a tittle is like one of the little marks that they make in Hebrew, whatever, will by no means pass for the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men, so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever does and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And here it comes. Get ready for it. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. What? So, what he's saying is this. If you read that correctly, it says you have to exceed the righteousness of the scribes of the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They're not getting in. That's what he's saying. They're not getting in. And so, you know what? These guys, they're probably, they look good on the outside, okay? They're probably like a combination of Dusty and Ryan Stahl put together. You know, squeaky clean guys, okay? But what happened is what Jesus saw what was really going on in the inside. There was lust and greed. And, and you know, the, probably the biggest thing about them is they didn't love people. They really didn't. You know who they loved? They probably loved themselves because it was like that's who they were. Okay, let me continue on here. So Jesus changed the idea of who the righteous were. And... Uh, All these people, the poor and the lame and the broken, were coming to Jesus. And they were trying to find out what was going on. Because there was a, they were in a culture that didn't value them. So Jesus made a way for people to go around the religious system. And so that they could actually become righteous. So 
Here's the deal. When Jesus died on the cross, what he did, he opened up righteousness for everybody. And here's the way this worked. Um, so he, he dies on the cross. He pays for our sin. So what do we get? We get righteousness. But see, it's not just, and I'll, I'll want to unpack this a little bit more, but basically what it is is, is when, when God sees us after we receive Jesus, he sees the righteousness of God. And so it's not like you have to keep this religious system anymore because what has happened, we have been made righteous. And so what I want to do is read something. It's Romans 10, 1 through 13. I think this is really important because this clarifies what's going on. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God, for Israel, is that they may be saved. And this is Paul the Apostle. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, there's that word, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. What this is saying is that they're trying to be righteous on their own power, and it's not working. So, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness, which is the law, the man who does those things shall live by him. And what that basically means is, is if you're up, it's your on you, buddy. If you don't do the right things, you're in trouble. If you do do the right things, you're okay. But the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. The word which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here is the verse. For the, with the heart one believes unto righteousness and the mouth confession is made to salvation. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is rich over all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So what this is basically saying is this. When you receive Jesus, you don't have to keep the law anymore. Because Jesus has become the substitution. And it's like, wait a minute, this can't be true. So you mean all I got to do is receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I get righteousness? Yes. That's really what it means. And you know what? For most of us that want a man's religion, that doesn't work very well. It's like, I want to be able to do this stuff by myself so that I can say that I'm righteous. But what I realize with this, I'm not righteous, but God has made me righteous. So, not like the Pharisees and the religious leaders who gloried in their own supposed righteousness. When God sees us positionally, he sees Jesus. This gives us access to the Father. And it doesn't matter what I say doesn't matter what any religious person says. It's between you and God. Okay? So we can see why those who hunger and thirst for being righteous, for righteousness, are filled. They are filled with God's righteousness. So when Jesus did that, when he was saying, hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled, this is it. It's over. Now the problem is, now that we're filled with God's righteousness, do we just kick back and take it easy? I mean, seriously. Now that I'm filled with righteousness, why don't I just go out and party like it's 1999? Yeah, okay. Only old folks would get that. So the bottom line is this. God does make us righteous, but at the same time, he wants us to act righteously. As Paul said in Romans, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? 
By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I don't know about you, but have you ever been into something that has totally captivated you that you couldn't break free? Some type of addiction, some type of stuff, and you couldn't let it go. The bottom line is this. Why would we, as Christians, ever want to go back to that stuff again? I mean, positionally we're made righteous, you could do it, but here's what it does. If you go back to that old stuff, it'll take you over again. It will. You know, it's like, um, you know, in, in my own life, I've had issues that I've had to deal with, and I would never want to go back to that stuff again, ever. So, how do we do this? So, again, we've got positional righteousness, but now God's asking us, like, hey, you, I want you to live a righteous life. And I think the first thing we have to realize is we have somebody who can help us. He's called the Holy Spirit. When we give our lives to God, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and will direct our lives if we let him. You know what? The Holy Spirit can keep you guys and keep me out of trouble. But, here's the big but. The thing is, you have to be able to be obedient to what God says and when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. So let me give you a little, tell you a little story about my life when I was in college. I got saved. I was a frat rat, fraternity guy. You know, I drank probably like 40 beers a week and just went crazy. And, and I, I received this tremendous Holy Spirit anointing. This is back in the Jesus movement. Man, I'll tell you what I thought. I've told you this before, but man... This was better than drugs. I'm serious. It was better than anything I had ever done before. I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. And it, seriously, it really was. It was just unbelievable, the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I, um, I've told you this before, but when I went into this prayer tent. At this, it was a thing called Jesus 76. It was this thing that we had. And this guy, I'm, watching, I'm looking around. All these people are laying on the ground. And I thought, man, that's really odd. What's going on? So I wanted to get my healing, my my eyes better because I've got like Coke bottle glasses. The guy laid his hands on me and bam, I was down. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? You know, in some you know denominations they do that, but I had I had no frame of reference. And it but what it was though, the thing was, it was the Holy Spirit in me. And it was crazy stuff. So the bottom line is this we need to walk by the Spirit. And it says this and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit contrary to the flesh. They are conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And that's the bottom line. You really have to follow what God wants to say. Okay, the other thing, though, is really important. It's important to have a church family. Because... It's important to have somebody and some group of people in your lives that will help you with this stuff. I don't know about you, but I have blinders. And I sometimes I don't see myself the way other people see me, especially my wife. She can point out things right away, and it's like, oh, 
that's really probably a pretty good point. But the thing that I learned early on is the value of having people that truly love you and will speak into your life. Because I actually, one of the, probably the most, I, when, I was, became, when I was a young Christian, I was, uh, I was meeting with this guy. His name was Doc Stewart. He was probably in his 50s. So I thought he was an old dog because I was about 20. And so we would meet. And um, one day, I, I, every once in a while, I was blowing him off because I really had no, you know, I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Well, one day he looked at me. And he said, baseball, he said, you are the most undependable person I have ever met in my life. And that was my nickname back in college. That's a whole different story. But, um, but what had happened is because I valued this man and I knew that he cared about me, it helped me. And I said from that point on, you know what? That is not the way I want to go anymore. So what happened is God used this person to help me. And I think it's the same thing for us. If we will listen to the Holy Spirit and we listen to our friends, God will begin to change our lives. This is kind of a short message, wasn't it? So what I want to say by that, though, is what we gain by giving our lives to Jesus. We can actually, through Jesus' sacrifice, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and with the help of our church family, become the good, righteous people we always wanted to be. There is hope for everyone, not just the religious elite. And so, when we talk about hungering and thirst for righteousness and being filled, that's really what we're talking about. So I think what I'd like to do is let's just go ahead and uh, let's just wait on the Lord for a second. And uh, I want to pray. Why don't you go ahead and just close your eyes. Lord, I thank you. And Lord, I just invite your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. And you know, with our the eyes closed, we talked about this. It, it really wasn't meant to be a salvation message, but, or, but really, I think the bottom line is this. Is it really is that there is no way, no way we could ever be righteous without Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to offer anybody here that does not know Jesus to give their lives over to him. So if that's you, if you don't know the Lord and you would like to receive the Lord, why don't you just go ahead and raise your hand and we'll go ahead and pray for you. We'll have some of our uh, friends and family come around you and just uh, just pray.